All right, so I'm back. Um, a day later than when I thought I would be back. But that's besides the point. The point is I'm back. A lot is going on. There's a lot of kerfuffling uh, in the U.S. today. I don't know if I'm going to get into it. I have prepared lists of what I want to discuss. Um, I may need to take some time to really dig into the new U.S. policies. That have, well, I don't know if they're policies. They're mandates right now, but maybe, maybe not. Um, so let's see what's happened for the past couple of days. Um, I had my follow-up screenings. So back in February, I had a light breast cancer scare and I had to get a biopsy on each booby. So because, you know, I have a breast cancer history, uh, family history, they decided to be kind of aggressive with my treatment. So I thought they removed everything from both sides, but they had not. So on one side, um, I had to do a stereotactic biopsy. I don't recommend you Google it. Um, but essentially what it is, is you're having a mammogram while they do the biopsy and get what they need to get. You put your, your breast down in this like hole and they squeeze it where they need to squeeze it and they take their samples or whatever. So they removed all of the essentially calcifications or whatever at that time. The calcifications are not what they're looking into. They're interested to know what is causing those calcifications. What are they forming along? Like what tissue are they forming along? So anyway, I had to do the um, bilateral mammogram on that side. So everything's cleared, no new formations, whatever. And then on the left side, they did um, a biopsy just via an ultrasound because that's how they found the mass. I thought they took that mass out. Turns out they did not take that mass out. They just um, took samples from it and around it and um, it's smaller. So uh, they'll just be, you know, reviewing that and I have to do that again in like at age 40. I'll have to do those screenings again. So every year I just go back and do my regular mammograms, which mine are never regular, but that's a story for a whole nother episode. Um, and uh, they have the markers placed or whatever. So all that jazz is over with. What else did I do? I've been cooking a lot. Um, today's the first day I really had any fast food. And well, that's not true. I had something fast food. But anyway, I've been mostly cooking my own food. Shouts out to all the homesteaders on YouTube that I watched that really just for some reason inspired me. Something about seeing the year's worth of green beans in those mason jars, it really just does something to me. So I've been doing that and really enjoying the food. Um, we talked about my food issues on a previous episode. Um, I'm cooking with onions now. Don't seem to bother me. I have been eating mushrooms. Um, it's like mushroom risotto. The mushrooms didn't bother me. Tasted amazing. Now, they were not the regular white buttons. These were baby Bella, so like portobello mushrooms. And the flavor is actually really good. I prefer it. Um, so maybe my issue was just the regular nasty white mushrooms. Uh, what else? I've been drinking water like a fish. Still not, you know, the 8 to 15 cups, however much we're supposed to have a day. But I've been drinking a lot of water. That helps. Um, and not alkaline water. Just the regular purified drinking water. That is not water. That is some uh, high sea orange lava burst, courtesy of Chick-fil-A International Ministries. Um, yeah, that's the whole intro. So we're Mara. Let's get into it. All right. So the African country of Guinea has had some kerfuffling. Um, 
and that is the West African nation of Guinea, not to be confused with the Central African nation of Equatorial Guinea, nor the um, West African nation of Guinea-Bissau, which is much smaller and sits on top of Guinea. Um, the military arrested their 83-year-old president, Alpha Conde. I'm assuming that's how I pronounce him. They dissolved the constitution, shut down the country's borders, and imposed a national curfew. Now, leading the charge on this is um, someone who used to work under Conde, the uh, Special Forces Commander, Colonel Mamadi Dumboya. I'm going to go with that. Um, he says he wants to restore democracy. Now, it's odd that the military would come in and say we're restoring democracy, but just hold that for a piece, okay? They want government by the people, not by a singular person. Um, they're claiming that, or he himself is claiming that there's not been enough economic progress in the country since they got their independence from France back in 1958. Um, now, a week before Mr. Conde got himself arrested by the military, um, Parliament somehow voted to increase his budget, um, but there was a decrease for civil servants and security forces. I don't know if that means military or not. This was his third term. Why does he have a third term, you ask? Um, his election was violently, quote unquote, violently disputed because in Guinea, the constitution limits their presidency to two terms, just like here in the great old US. Um, somehow he was able to make the parliament adopt a new constitution which allowed him a third term and see this new um constitution was put in place sometime last year i don't know if i got to that in my notes but it's yeah people were up in arms um our good friends ECOWAS, you remember them the economic um community or economic court of west african states they are threatening sanctions and the African Union says that they're going to meet, take appropriate um, measures. But people who are familiar with um, Guinean, I don't know, people who are familiar with the politics there are basically saying, hold on now. Um, the people of Guinea are backing Colonel Mamadi, Doom Buya. They're backing him. Um, basically, he he came in under Conde. He was his right-hand man. And so they're backing the people are saying nah you know he's he's um he speaks for us Conde basically has had this slow slope to um dictatorship it started as being you know genuine and for the people and all that but as he got more power he got greedier he started putting people in prison killing people off um refusing basically to have any political dialogue with people who didn't have his same exact political views um, he's been in politics for over 40 years so he's had time to kind of get a taste of being you know the top gun and he didn't want it to go away he was calling himself Guinea's Mandela none of what he was doing was equivalent to what Mandela was doing um, he had his uh, political opponents exiled or placed in prison for trying to quote overthrow his government um, that's coming from Al Jazeera, that information. But I think it's interesting that the military is coming in and saying, no, he has to go. And 
the citizens are saying, no, we support the military in this because this guy is just little by little um, erasing the power of the people and inserting himself into this authoritarian position. So I don't think we'll really be watching Guinea that much. I mean, they have to, of course, get a new constitution, get a new government and all that. But it seems like um, basically just from what I'm reading that this uh, Mamadi individual, he has Guinea's best interest in heart in terms of the democratic process. It's kind of a weird way of going about it, but we'll see. I mean, I think we'll keep an eye on it. Um, there's so much else going on in the African continent politically, but I think it is interesting that the military is enforcing democratic policies that you don't usually see that on the African continent. So, you know, there's that. All right, my good friends at WSB, they're literally my favorite when it comes to investigating, even though this investigation kind of pissed me off a little bit. They are awaiting open records request um, results from Cobb County Police in regards to multiple complaints um, called in by groups uh, or by citizens reference to groups of headless goats being dumped into the Chattahoochee River um, by a group of practitioners of Santeria. Santeria, if you don't know, is... Um, a mix of um, West African cultures, a little bit of Catholicism, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Some people call it voodoo. Is it the same as voodoo? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's different. But anywho, um, the complaints are basically due to the increase in the number of goats at, at a time. So 20 to 30 at a time. And that is not just confined to night dumping. These goats are being dumped in broad daylight. Um, now, what kind of got to me is that the complaint is that, you know, the Chat River, Chattahoochee River is a source of drinking water in this area and that somehow these dead goats are a public health threat. Houseway, the same river that boaters are allowed to be on, like mechanized boaters with all kinds of gasoline, etc., all kinds of uh, TVs and mattresses that get tossed into the Chattahoochee River. Um, people are allowed to, companies are dumping wastewater into the river, et cetera, et cetera. And you're worried about goats, something natural, something that the local fauna within the water can digest. Somehow I don't think the goats are the real issue here. Um, I think maybe it's just, I, am I a conspiracy theorist? Am I racially sensitive? I don't know. But this is a, th this is, this was called in because of this perceived threat of non-Christian religion in this area. Point blank period. Mind your business. The goats are not posing a threat. Like if you had any kind of knowledge about animal sacrifice, then you wouldn't, and you should because it's all up and through the Old Testament. You have to pick the blemish free, the healthiest, the best. Are you, is if, if I cut off the head of an animal that was the healthiest and the best and blemish free and the most, um, the most healthy, the cream of the crop, am I damaging the water source? No, no, stop being racist.
period. Stop being racist. But I'm interested to see what comes of this um, FOIA, basically, open records request. And I'll I'll go from there. I'm not withholding my judgment. I know ahead of time what this is really about. Cobb County, say no more. So over the past couple of days, sorry about that. Over the last couple of days, we've lost some famous black performers. Um, one, Fuquan Johnson, he's a comedian. Um, I know him via All Deaf Digital with, um, you know, Kev on stage before he branched out and did his own thing, you know, Tahir Moore, Tony Baker, that that whole Patrick Cloud. Is it Patrick Cloud or Patrick St. Cloud? I don't know why I want to make him a St. Cloud. But anyway, um, he ingested some cocaine at a party with some other comedians, and I think three of them so far have passed one in critical condition and also very famous black performer, Michael K. Williams. Um, Omar Little from the wire is how I know him. You may know him, um, from, uh, Oh, was it boardwalk? Hold on. Because we have resources. I know him most as Omar, um, Omar Little, who was a badass. Um, and I know the LGBT community, LGBTQIA plus community really loves his portrayal of Omar, um, a bisexual, homosexual, whatever, and the baddest, scariest man on the block. Um, let's see. He was, oh, he's in 12 Years a Slave, something I'm never going to watch. Uh, yeah, Chalky White from Boardwalk Empire. He also did Lovecraft Country. Uh, who was he? Montrose Freeman from Lovecraft Country. Um, he has 110 actor credits on IMBD. Bad man. Um, so he passed away from seemingly an overdose. They haven't confirmed exactly, um, but the police are saying that they found heroin-based drug paraphernalia in his apartment. Fuquan, of course, died from some cocaine that was cut with fentanyl. And um, also in the state of New York. And so the police are claiming that they're going to be investigating where the drugs came from. Um, because excuse me, fentanyl is so incredibly lethal. You can ingest it through your skin. Before I even knew about fentanyl in terms of being on the street, I knew about fentanyl patches. I was watching an episode of some, uh, was it autopsy or you know one of those murder mystery things. Uh, no, it was Dr. G. Dr. G was doing an autopsy and she said that this guy passed because he fell asleep on um, with his fentanyl patch was on a heating pad. And so he got too much at one time and he died of an overdose from that. But the narcotics units should be putting their good work, their uh, training to good use and finding out who is cutting cocaine with something as potent as fentanyl. Fentanyl can take us out in, I mean, such small quantities. Um, I think they lost somebody else, some other actor, I think it was a white actor, but hold on. Somebody else just passed from Fentanyl. Uh, Logan somebody. Hold on. Logan someone. I'm on TMZ. I know they're going to hell, but um, dum, 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 dum. 
Let me scroll through. Was it this morning? I'm going to find this. The one day I need to get to something real quick. They got 1,700 stories up here. Who was it? Overdose. Logan. Somebody. Yeah, The Flash. Logan Williams. Accidental drug overdose. What state was this in? Was this also in New York? Because that would be the third one. He was 16? Holy shit. Three-year battle with opioid addiction. So is this not a new death? Hold on. Oh, this isn't even a new death. So, okay, let me take that back. This Logan fellow from The Flash, uh, he passed away back in April. And now his mom is saying it was because of um, fentanyl overdose. Now, was he on just fentanyl, sis? This is going farther than I wanted to go. But anyways, I was focusing on the two um, black performers that we lost because of this this fentanyl they're thinking. I know for sure fentanyl in the case of Fuquan Johnson. We're still waiting to see what's going on with Michael K. Williams. Was it just an excessive amount of heroin? But they're saying heroin-based fentanyl is one of those types of drugs. So we'll see what comes of it. Uh, hopefully we can help those who we know have some kind of um, drug extracurricular activity that they... I don't know how you could know that you're that you have a safe source, you know. Um, I don't know if anybody that sells drugs that cares that much about who they're selling it to, just that they're moving product. Um, but you, you've got to watch yourself. Um, fentanyl is not something that should be on the streets. So it's, it's really, really sad that we lost them. But hopefully, you know, that'll uh, encourage somebody else to put it down and find something else to get into something else to be addicted to. Honestly, uh, fentanyl is no effing joke. Okay, so Texas is continuing in their stupidity. Um, Governor Hot Wheels, he's back to being that. I have no qualms about calling him that. Um, he signed the abortion ban, the law, whatever, into effect, basically banning abortion after six weeks of gestation. And most women don't find out they're pregnant until after that. Um, the Supreme Court decided not to block it. It can still be challenging the Supreme Court. They had another ass backwards law um, that anybody, whoever um, sees, knows about, hears of a woman obtaining abortion can sue the doctor, the hospital, the woman herself and get $10,000. Now, Merrick Garland, somebody, somebody within the Department of Justice says they're not going to prosecute women on behalf of either law. I don't know how that works. If it's a state law, how you would be prosecuting it. I didn't get that far into it. Um, he also, Governor Hot Wheels also signed the uh, voting restriction into law. Um, I think it's still being challenged in the Supreme Court. And also one of cadet today's kerfuffles is that the U.S. is suing Texas on the um, abortion ban law. So we'll see what the hell the Supreme Court is going to do about that. Because um, like I said, you're, if you're not, if you're not pro-welfare, if you're not pro, 
uh, affordable housing, if you're not pro taking care of the child once the child is born, you're not really pro-life, you're just anti-women. I stand by that. I stand by that and I mean it. If you're if you're only pro-life while someone is pregnant, you're not really pro-life. Thank you. Okay, so my sports section is going to be long-winded. Oh, well. Um, first thing, I have a correction. So the last time I talked about the Lakers, I said that Kent Bazemore came to the Lakers from Atlanta. He did not, but I'm not completely wrong. Or did I correct that last time? I don't know. I don't remember. Anyways, if even if I didn't correct last time, let me say it again. Um, from June 2019 to January 2020, he was with Portland. And then from Ju- January 2020 to December 2020, he was with Sacramento. And then December 2020 to August 2021, he was with Golden State. He didn't do much in those three places. So you literally can still say he came to L.A. from Atlanta. But moving on. Um, college football is upon us. One of the best things about fall, um, firstly, uh, all I'm seeing on my TV are just COVID bowls everywhere. So many freaking people. They look like the um, that episode of SpongeBob where he's doing the oh, what is the one where he you know where he does the halftime show. It looks like that at all these games, even before COVID. I have never been comfortable amongst that many fucking people. Just why? Why do you need to be amongst 100,000 people? Never in life do I need to be that close to that many people. Um, What did I see on my TV? I saw uh, Penn State beat Wisconsin. That was definitely a COVID bowl. Uh, Georgia and their insufferable fans beat Clemsucks and their insufferable fans. Um... And another COVID bowl. No, the Ohio State-Minnesota game was definitely a COVID bowl. Uh, Virginia Tech, who they beat? UNC. Now, the Alabama-Miami game, I could be biased. It didn't look as thick in there. They had that at the – it was in one of the Chick-fil-A bowls. I thought there was only one Chick-fil-A bowl game, but apparently there's, like, several here in Atlanta. Um, But Alabama won. I was surprised that they let Miami score that many points. I'm sure Nick Saban is going to get on top of that. Um, South Carolina beat Eastern Illinois. You know, South Carolina is going to be my struggle franchise for life. I'd stand behind them no matter what, literally. And UCLA beat LSU. That was a shocker for everybody. Um, Band Geeks, that's the episode of the SpongeBob SquarePants. It was just too many damn people. All the saliva and sweat beads, and body heat, and breath, just all intermingling all together. Ew. In other college football news, uh, UConn has already fired their coach two games in. They said, please get the hell out. Of course, they say parted ways. That's the Caucasian way of saying fired. Um, He, quote, stepped down. I don't believe so. I think he got fired. They, uh, Fresno State took him to Boston by a lot. And then they lost to Holy Cross. I didn't even know Holy Cross had a football program. Like, yeah, you definitely shouldn't be losing to them. There's uh, been a lot of injuries already with these players. They're dropping like flies. Um, Alabama lost one. Christopher Allen uh, with a fractured foot. Auburn has a defensive tackle. Jeremiah Wright out with a torn ACL. Florida's got some players out. Georgia's got one out. Uh excuse me, South Carolina, we're down to our, 
I think our starting quarterback was like our third string quarterback because um, what's his name? Jake, Jake Helfrich, Helfrich. He had heart surgery. No, I think he was a freshman though. So maybe he wasn't the first quarterback, but I know our actual first quarterback got injured during the game or something. So our quarterback now we have is like a grad student, Zeb Nolan. They got the win. So, you know, more power to him. But there's a lot of um, injuries already. These these young men are, like I said, dropping like flies. Um, with, back to this heart surgery thing. What kind of physicals and screenings are these young kids getting in high school? Why are they not catching heart conditions until they get to college? Same thing happened with uh, Shawnee's son. Sharif, Sharif, I think that's Sharif, Sharif O'Neal, right? Played high school, basketball, AAU circuit, all of that. Then as soon as you get to college, hey, we found this heart defect. You need to have, you need to have surgery. What? Is that on purpose? Like, how are you missing this in high school? What are they doing at the collegiate exam? They need to, whatever that is, they need to require it earlier because uh, we've got people walking around with heart conditions. That's, that's dangerous. Surely you have some kind of insurance on them before before they get to college. Um, what else do I want to talk about sports-wise? Did I talk about the top 10 in college basketball? Yes, the top 10 in college football. Can we stop ranking them before the season starts? It was so dumb. Like, the ranking made no sense to me. Of course, Alabama was number one. That made sense. Oklahoma was number two. How? Clemson three, Ohio State four, Georgia five, Texas A&M six. Who they have? Iowa State seven, and Cincinnati eight, Notre Dame nine, North Carolina ten. Okay, Tulane damn near came back against Oklahoma. They look so sloppy. Um, Georgia beat Clemson in a low-scoring game, down to the wire, whatever. Alabama, like I said, they allowed Miami 13 points. I don't think that's going to continue moving forward. Um, Ohio State allowed Minnesota 31 points. Uh, Texas A&M played Kent State. I don't know who, I mean, okay. Uh, Iowa State, State and State, they played Northern Iowa. Cincinnati beat Miami of Ohio, who I feel should be changing their name. You just can't be Miami of Ohio. There's no such a place. Um, even if there is such a place, change it. Um Notre Dame actually had a really good game. It was a barn burner against uh, Florida State. Um, and now we have a new top 10 moving into this week or next week. Yeah, this weekend. We have Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Clemson, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Iowa State, and then Iowa. Um, yeah, I think I feel like we shouldn't be ranking them until like two to three games in. You're still going to watch who you want to watch, right? You're still going to watch who you want to watch. So why not let them give us a couple of games, see who's doing what, and then give us a ranking. I, I feel like that should um, – that's how that should go. Let me see. Do I have anything else college-wise before I dig into professional sports? No, no, no. No, I don't think so. All right, so we'll be back with professional sports. You remember back when um, the NCAA had that rule 
or they tried to have that rule that um, in order to represent a student um, that was coming into, I guess, their professional, you know, their draft or whatever, you had to have a college applicant, a college degree in addition to being licensed and all that. And everybody called it the Rich Paul rule. And then they got mad at the backlash and they had to like walk it back. People were like, oh, y'all just hate Rich Paul. Y'all still hate Rich Paul. And I'm going to tell you why. Now, earlier in the summer, we all laughed at Dennis Schroeder and this $100 million scheme he had for the Lakers and the, you know, minimum that he had to settle for in, what is it, Boston? Why can we not find the same humor in this Nerland's Noel situation? Nerland's Noel? Yeah. Why can't we find the same humor in that? At what point is this Nerland's fault? Now, let's recap. Okay. Now, Nerland's is suing Rich Paul. He's saying that Rich Paul cost him about $58 million um, and that he's, you know, dissatisfied. Uh, he wasn't answering phone calls, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying Rich Paul is not partially to blame, but come on, sir. How, come on, sir. At some point, I'm going to need you to take responsibility for this. Now, if you don't remember, Nerland's Noel was a very big name coming out of college, out of Kentucky, even though he was not... I don't remember him being number one, the, the, the offensive guy. He was a good player, but I don't think they were running their offense. I don't remember them running their offense to learnings. Okay. So he was drafted in 2013, which if in hindsight was gotta be one of the worst drafts. That was the Anthony Bennett draft. So it was Anthony Bennett, Victor Oladipo, Otto Porter Jr., Cody Zeller, um, Cody Zeller went to the Chicago, I mean, the uh, Charlotte Bobcats, remember them? And then Alex Lynn, and then number six pick was Nerlens Noel. They really, uh, that draft was has got to have been literally one of the raggediest drafts. Um, the rookie of the year that year, Michael Carter-Williams. Mm-hmm. That was the year Giannis and Rudy Gobert were drafted. Giannis was number 15. Rudy Gobert was number 27. I know they wish they could redo that draft. Anyway, so Noel, um, he played for Kentucky. He was he was a pretty good player. Um, he got injured in February. He still decided to enter the draft as an injured player coming off of, I think it was an Achilles injury. Um, so New Orleans drafted him, but they sent his draft rights to Philly uh, in exchange for Drew Holiday. Um, he sat the first year because of the injury. Okay, he played all right the next two seasons. He had another knee injury. I don't know if it was the same one or a different one. Did I say Achilles? No, it was ACL. Um, he was upset about his playing time. Um, then he got traded to Dallas that next season. He... Uh, Missed a couple of games due to the anti-doping or anti-drug policy. Then he signed with OKC. Uh, he was there for the last Paul George Westbrook season before the Kawhi Leonard treachery. Then he signed with the Knicks in 2020. Much ado about nothing. Now, according to Nerlens, 
Rich Paul cost him 58 million US dollars by not doing his job as an agent, not securing any kind of NBA or endorsement deals. Um, talked him out of signing potential offers, uh, not returning phone calls to teams that were looking to sign him, lying to him, not not fulfilling promises made. Um, let's see. There was a four-year, $70 million deal with Dallas back in 2017 uh, before, before he was traded to the ill-fated Thunder. Uh, Rich Paul told this injury-prone individual that he was a $100 million man at a birthday party thrown. And it was for uh, Ben Simmons, one of Rich Paul's clients, which, you know what? I mean, Ben Simmons, he does more than – no, he, I, can't, I can't make that comparison. Let me keep, let me keep going. The big, this is the beginning of the partnership. So you're coming off of two injuries where you have averaged maybe 10, 12 points a game, the few games that you get to play because you're not you're not the starter. You're not the number. You've never been the number one guy on any of your NBA teams. And you let this agent tell you you were worth $100 million and a team had already offered you 70. He fires his agent, signs Rich Paul. Rich Paul tells him, before the ink is dry on their contract together, do not talk to the Mavs any further about this long-term deal. Sign this one-year deal instead. That year, there was some kind of injury. Nerland's only played 30 games. At that point, Rich Paul had kind of fallen back on him. Nobody from the company paid him much attention as far as any NBA moves or any kind of business deals. Then when he got with the Thunder, they offered him a two-year deal. Rich Paul pops up and tells him, don't sign that deal. Sign another one-year deal. During this time, Several teams tried to contact Rich Paul and uh, Clutch Sports for Nerlens. They didn't return phone calls. Then he told somebody at Clutch Sports he was thinking about cutting them loose. And then they dangled this, you know, OKC might give you seven to ten million a year. So he stays with them with all of these feelings of y'all are not signing me to anything NBA or otherwise these one-year deal situation isn't working I'm ready to quit that oh hey you know AKC OKC wanted to give you you know seven to ten so he stays with the company and then he learns two other teams are reaching out to him for contracts and their phone calls were unanswered so then Noel signs with the Knicks Fires Rich Paul, decides at this point to do his own research, finds out that Rich Paul kind of has a history of being less enthusiastic with those non-A-list athletes like Norris Cole and Shabazz Muhammad. So then Nerlens hires a new um, agent and has this uh, what does he have, like a four for 32 with the Knicks? Well, you know, more money than what he was getting with those Rich Paul contracts. In response to this lawsuit, 
Rich Paul has filed a grievance with the NBPA, the National Basketball Players Association, the union, basically saying that Nerlens hasn't paid him his 4% commission on the last deal with the Knicks. And Nerlens basically said he didn't play a part in that contract. So I don't owe him that. He only gave him, I think, 2% from the, the last OKC contract. Again, at what point do you as the athlete, as the grown man, take responsibility and be like, man, I've been played. I, You can't be like, oh, he cost me money. No, he presented these things to you and you just went with what he said. Now, in terms of the other teams contacting him and him not answering those phone calls, could it be because of the vision that he had for you, sign this one year, prove yourself, and then get the big money? And at what point do you sit down and say, okay, I'm having these injuries back-to-back, whatever. Let me make sure me and my agent are on one accord and that we have the same um, vision for what I'm looking for. Never were you a $100 million man. Like at no point in your professional career were you worth $100 million. I just don't see how this is all on Rich Paul. Again, is he was he being a snake oil salesman selling you this pipe dream? Yes. Do I think he sells his pipe dream to every player? Yes. But at the first contract in Dallas, after you got injured, you should have had some kind of communication with Rich Paul to say, nah, I'm not doing it this way anymore. This is what I want. You waited three teams later to decide you wanted something else. And now you want to reach back and say, okay, I want all the money that I should have had. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And part of this is because I think um, we do a bad job of not really giving our kids the real. Nobody in Nerland's corner was saying, hey, I don't think you should this, this hundred million dollars. Uh, uh, uh. Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these yes men all around you have put you back $58 million. It's not just Rich Paul's fault. But I'm seeing a lot of people have a lot of, um, they have a lot of, they're giving Nerlens a lot of the support that they're not giving Dennis Schroeder. If you can see the error in Rich Paul's ways, then you should be able to see the error in Dennis Schroeder's agent's ways, whoever his agent is. It's because it's Rich Paul. It's because you don't like his clients, mostly LeBron, that you are so willing to find fault in everything that he did as this man's agent. And I just don't see it that way. But that's just me. Have we talked about Deion Sanders recently and how much I love him? Um, so as you know, he is the head coach for the Jackson State University football team in HBCU in the SWAT conference. Um, his good, good friend, Hall of Fame defensive end, uh, TV personality, Michael Strahan, designed the suits for the young men to wear. I don't know if it's just away or at home or whatever, but that's what they're wearing. Um, Dion says that he is gonna do everything he can to uh, put HBCU players, starting with his team, on a level playing field with their white counterparts. Um, part of that is making sure they have, you know, the, the swag, the look, 
but that the PWI schools have coming into the ton into the game off the buses, whatsoever. Another thing is he is campaigning for them to have their names on the back of their jerseys, like every other school does, except the black schools. Um, I stand for it. I'm all about it. Um, I absolutely love how passionate he is about a football and be these black players in this black conference and making sure that they have what they need to succeed at the next level. It's truly amazing. I love everything about Deion Sanders, literally everything. All right. Um, so a news that shocked NFL world a couple days ago, Cam Newton was released by the New England Patriots. Um, released, like not relegated to the background quarterback role, released, cut. And everybody was shocked by that. Like we get that they were going to go with Mac Jones. I didn't watch any preseason because I don't care about preseason football whatsoever. But everybody's saying that Mac Jones is the truth. That's a Nick Saban quarterback, so I'm sure he is. Um, but I find it strange that they cut him. And, you know, there's conspiracies that it's about his uh, refusal to get the COVID vaccine, even though he had COVID and he was down pretty bad with COVID last season. Um, and then I started to see something that really kind of pissed me off. This this person, I don't know if they are actually with the Patriots or they used to be with the Patriots or they talked to some old Patriots. I don't know. But they were saying that Mac Jones somehow was helping Cam Newton learn the playbook. Do I believe that? No, I do not. I don't know of Cam Newton to be a dummy. I don't know of him to not be able to uh, read and understand playbooks. This is not his first team, and this wasn't even his first year with the Patriots. Um, I see it as a smear campaign and nothing else, but yeah, he, he was released. I was shocked. Shocked. All right, so that's all I have right now. Um, I'm trying to watch this uh, football game, Patriots, uh, Tampa Bay. It's opening night. No, I'm not really. Uh, uh. Um, I just have a disdain for Thursday night football. That's, that's a me thing. Anyways, like I said, there's been some other kerfuffles um, just within the U.S. There's also was an earthquake in Mexico that I didn't get into. Uh, we might talk about it next time. Maybe not. Um, thanks again. Uh, I'm done promising, you know, Tumblr page or an IG page. I'll get around to it when I get around to it, if I get around to it. I appreciate you guys listening to me. Um, if you want to talk to me, hit me up on IG at K-E-C-H-A-E-L-A. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks for listening to me. Just ramble on about whatever. Bye.